0: Good morning again. It's good to see all of you. And if this is your first time here, or you're watching online for the first time once again, thanks for, for being part of this. As we are in a sermon series called Faith Forward, we're in week two, and we are actually talking about money in church. And so if you're a guest and you're like, oh, here we go, here it is. Every time I go to church, every time I watch online, the church is always about my money. I want to tell you that that is not the case here at Shepherds Gate. In fact, if you're a guest, as you heard in the video, or you've been checking us out even the last few weeks, we're just so glad that you're here and you're intrigued by maybe what's going on here at Shepherds Gate and the things that we are involved in in our community. And so this really is a targeted series for those that call Shepherds Gate home, as we have some things that we have to address here as a congregation. And so what this does, it's kind of cool if you are a guest, you can kind of get a peek behind the curtain to know how we operate here and how we make decisions. And really, truly, this is really the the driving force behind all of this is that we believe that the Bible is God's word and that God is the one who ultimately leads and directs and guides our life. Is that correct? We all agree with that. And so what we do every single week is we go to God's word We read big chunks of scripture and we say, okay, God, what is it that you're instructing us and how are you leading and guiding our lives into the future? And so for this series, we just happen to be focused on some of the scriptures where Jesus says, hey, this is how people in the Bible handled their possessions. This is how people handled their money. So again, if you're a guest, we want nothing from you. We simply want Jesus for you. Fair enough? Now, you might remember last week. Last week, as I shared my personal testimony I shared with you that in a national survey that took place in all sorts of churches, shapes and sizes and different denominations, that there was three reasons that people don't like talking about money in church. Do you remember that? And the first one is, is because all the church wants is my money, right? So we already got that out of the way. The second one is the church must be in financial trouble if they need to talk about money. That's not the case here, okay? We don't, we're not struggling financially. And the third one, this was my favorite. Do you remember the third one? This was the best one of them all. See, you remember from last week. If you weren't here, the number number three reason nationwide in a nationwide poll was because the pastor wants or needs a race. (laughs) And I said, for our congregation, one of our staff gave me this idea that maybe I should ask for a boat (laughs) instead of a race. Because we have a boat club. We have a bunch of people that own boats and they literally meet out on Lake St. Clair and they do some social things out there in the lake. And wouldn't you know that someone was so generous in our congregation that attends the 9 a.m. service, and she said, Tim, you work so hard, and we know you love this church, that I want to gift you with a boat. And so this morning... I now own my very own boat. And you know, boat owners, where are you at, boat owners? Don't be shy. Raise your hands. Right? Every boat. You can't have a boat without having a name for your boat. And so this boat is called the Stony Creek Queen. And I don't know if that just means it should never leave Stony Creek or what. Isn't it beautiful, though? Isn't that nice of her? So I'm so glad I own a boat now. But it's God. It's God working through us. It's the Holy Spirit that works in our hearts and our lives. And so last week, what we did is we went through a bunch of Old Testament scriptures, and we just came to two conclusions at the end. We said, God, at the end of the day, owns everything. Everything in the world, it's all his, and he is the one that orchestrates our lives and the events of our lives. And then we just said, we made an observation that people in the Old Testament consistently tithe 10% to the house of God. Right? Are we still on board with this? We just said those were our observations from last week. Now, again, there are ground rules for this series because it can be uncomfortable, and so you just got to kind of just shake it off and get used to talking about this uh, today and for the next couple of weeks. A couple other ground rules is that if there's something that's said, something that you hear me say or you see in a video and and, and you're uncomfortable with it, you promise to not take it out on your spouse, okay? Okay or talk about it badly in your small group, or in the fellowship hall after the service, that if there's something that's just not gelling with you, that you'll come and you'll meet with me, or you'll talk with me, or you'll email me because I have an open door policy. So that was one of our ground rules. Remember that? Like we're all on the same team together. It's not me versus you and you versus me. Like we're all on the same team together and we're all trying to figure out what God's plan is for our future. And so really, our two focus verses for the entire series, I read this last week, I'll read this the next couple of weeks, is 2 Corinthians 8-7 and 2 Corinthians 9-7. And it all comes down to this. Paul told the church in Corinth, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, and knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. And so no matter where you're at, no matter what it is that that you're currently doing, that we all can grow in this area. And maybe it is outreach to our community. Maybe it's being generous with our family members. Maybe it's being more generous with our friends. It doesn't just have to include what takes place here at Shepherd's Gate. In verse seven of chapter nine, it says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. It always goes back to the heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, which means no one should ever guilt you into giving. And that certainly is my heart in this whole series. I don't want anyone to ever leave our worship service and say, oh, the pastor was making me feel guilty or I'm doing this out of obligation. No, God loves a cheerful giver. And the reason you give is because the Holy Spirit has stirred your heart. And you're compelled to give because of what he has done in your life. And that's the way that this church has operated for 42 years. Is that correct? Those of you that have been here for 42 years, is that correct? Thank you. All right, so... The third part of our vision statement is this. We're going to live generously with everything we have. And the reason we write these words, live generously, is because we want our entire lives to be an offering to the Lord And how we speak and how we act and how we treat others and how we make decisions with what God has entrusted to us. But here's the thing. We know this. In every single church, there's kind of two categories of people. There's what you call a consumer, and there are contributors. Now, when you look at this, you might say, oh, wow, that sounds really negative, doesn't it? Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? It's actually not negative at all. In fact, a biblically functioning church needs consumers. Did you know that? We need people that come and check out our church and visit here and use our kids' ministry and youth ministries and care ministries and all of those things to see what we're about, to see if this is a place that God would have them call home to begin to develop their faith. In fact, if you have a church that's just full of contributors, it's no longer a church. It's a country club. Okay? And what happens is people then think that they're paying HOA fees instead of living generously with everything they have unto the Lord. And so many of you know we have a care program here at Shepherd's Gate. Most of the people that participate in our care program are from the community. These are people that have lost loved ones. These are people that are going through a divorce. And so they come here during the week, and there's a whole team of people that make a home-cooked meal each and every week. And so they're consuming that, right? We want to feed them on a physical level. And then they go into classes and we have incredible volunteers who come alongside them and they talk and they process and they help them get, those, get them through those difficult times in their lives. Those are consumers. We want that in our church. But at some point at some level, in some way, shape, and form as people begin to grow in their faith and they begin to be called by the Holy Spirit here at Shepherd's Gate. As you saw, Dave and Erica have their kids being baptized today and then next week becoming members. They're making that transformation from consumer to contributor. That this is their home that they're going to raise their family in, but they're also going to contribute for the mission that God has laid on our heart as a church. Does that make sense? All right, good, because we're going to be looking at First Chronicles chapter 12 today. It's in the Old Testament. There's chair Bibles if you want to grab a chair Bible uh, in front of you. If you're in the front row, they're actually underneath the seat. I'll have the scriptures on the screen as well. And it's on page 356. If you're watching online, you can click on the tab on the website or on the screen there, and it'll take you right to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, uh, we're going to be reading about a guy named David. He's kind of a big deal in the Bible. Most of you have probably heard of David you might remember he, he started off as a little shepherd boy. And here's what's really cool. He's the baby of the family. Any of you the baby of the family out there? Any of you babies of the family ever get sick of the oldest sibling getting all the attention or trying to call all the shots? No. No. Okay, okay, I got one. Thanks, brother. You're being honest this morning. <laughs> Sometimes the baby of the family is called the jokester, just gets pushed to Well, in this account, David, the baby of the family, actually gets to become king. And he goes through this process because as a young boy, he actually physically um, tackles a lion and a bear with his bare hands. I mean, imagine that. When he's a little bit older, when he's a teenager. He literally kills a giant. And as he gets older, God places him as king over the entire nation of Israel, God's people during this time. And so we get, this starts with David being an adult. And so as David the king said to all the assemblies, this is all of God's people at the time, Solomon, my son, so he's got a son, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. How many of you love hearing this from your dad, right? You're young and you're inexperienced. No, I'm ready to be king. Don't tell me I'm young and inexperienced. That's what he said. And the work is great, for the palace will not be for men, but for the Lord God. So I've provided for the house of my God so far as I was able to. The gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, and bronze for the things of bronze. The iron for the things of iron, wood for the things of wood, besides great quantities of onyx and stones for setting, and colored stones, all sorts of precious stones and marble. So this is a whole lot going on in here. And you gotta remember, during this time, not only was Dave, David kind of the religious leader at the time, he was also kind of the governmental leader at the time. And so they had built up the kingdom, God's kingdom on earth, with God's people, and he's the one that has access to all of these natural resources. And so what he's doing is he's putting them all aside for God. He's saying these natural resources that are God's to begin with, we're going to put aside in order to build God's temple, God's place of worship. And then he goes on to say, Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own. So he's saying, look, I, God has blessed me. You know, he, he was a very successful king, uh, and so even personally, he had succeeded financially, and so he had uh, possessions of his own, and so he has gold and silver, and because of his devotion to the house of God, he gives to the house of God. He gives gold, he gives silver, He gives all of these incredible things for the overlaying the walls of the house and for the work to be done by craftsmen. Gold for the things of gold, silver for the things of silver, who then will offer, willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord. So what is he doing here? He's the leader. And he says, if we're going to do this and we're going to move into the future that God has for us, I'm going to be the example. I'm not just going to tell everybody else they should sacrifice and give so that we can build this thing, I'm going to be the one that's going to set the precedence. I'm going to be the one that goes first. In fact, these are the things that I'm going to give. And I love this because he says the work is going to be done by craftsmen. You find the people that know what they're doing. If you wanted me to build a building here at Shepherd's Gate, it would be a terrible idea, just so you know. I can barely swing a hammer, okay? That is not my skill set. But I can live sacrificially, and I can live generously, and I can talk to my wife and say, okay, Lisa, for whatever reason, we find ourselves in this position at this time in this place. What are we willing to sacrifice? What is the Holy Spirit laying on our hearts? We cannot go to the people of Shepherd's Gate and say, you all should give sacrificially, and Lisa and I will just sit back and watch, and and we'll just count it as it comes in, right? You know what that's called if we do that? hypocrisy. You know what else it's called? Terrible leadership. And so for the last several weeks, Lisa and I have been praying and looking at things and saying, God, what is it that you are calling us to do? And what is it that we need to sacrifice? And how can we be part of Shepherd's Gate future? Now look at what he does next, because this is really cool. I love this. Then he goes to the leaders of his father's house and they make their free will offering. Now notice the words here. This isn't a tithe. This is when you start moving into what an offering is. They're giving a free will offering, as also did the leaders of the tribes, so all the leaders of the 12 tribes, the commanders of thousands and of hundreds, so they get the military leaders involved, which is kind of cool, and the officers over the king's work. Anybody that was in a position of leadership at this time, which is exactly what is taking place here at Shepherd's Gate. We are having conversations with the leaders of Shepherd's Gate. And it started with me. It's now moving into the staff. It's moving into the church council. Anybody that's in any type of leadership position to say, hey, what do you think about the plans that we have for our future? And do you think this is what we should do? And is the Holy Spirit confirming it in your heart as much as he's confirming it in our heart? Or do you want to speak into this? Are there things that we should tweak? Are there things that we should change? We all have to be part of this. We all want to be on board with this. I would say this even includes your business owners people that that God has blessed with businesses, that that own businesses. And you say, okay, well, what do you think? You guys have experience in this. You guys have built buildings. Most of you, you have buildings that, that you manage. And are you wanting to be part of this? And do you believe that this is what's best for our future? It's incredible the process that he goes through. Then it says, these leaders gave the service of the house of God. They gave their gold, their silver, their bronze. And whoever had precious stones gave them to the treasury of the house of the Lord. Then the people rejoiced because they had given, what? Willingly. Man, look at what we did when we all just prayed about it and we had conversations in our homes and we said, okay, God, this is what we believe. You're laying on our heart for my family to do and this is how we feel that we can be part of the future of what you have for us. For with a whole heart, I love that, they had offered freely to the Lord And when you know, David the king also rejoiced greatly. Who wouldn't if you're the leader? Okay, good. The people are behind me. We can move forward into what God has for our future. So what does David do? He goes, oh, Lord, our God. He turns to praising God. He said, all this abundance. Look at what we were able to do. That we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. He goes back to what we talked about last week. It's all God's anyways. He owns it all, and here we are figuring out, God, these resources that you've given us, how are you positioning us for the future? And so this is my question, if you call Shepherd's Gate home, if this is, this is your church, and you are committed to worshiping here, and this is where you come for all of the services that we offer here, do you feel responsible for our house of God? A fair question, right? Or is it all on me? The guy that can't swing a hammer. Do we feel that responsibility? Like, is this our house? And and do we want more and more people from our community to come into our house and to hear the saving message of Jesus and to be part of our kids and our students and our adults and our care programs and to experience the life they can have in a relationship? with Jesus what is our responsibility what has God called us into in being part of this church well I found this picture a few weeks ago as I was going through some old albums here at Shepherd's Gate and it made me laugh and I was like I totally want to show this to you guys this morning because it's just a really cool picture okay you ready this is the picture that I found Don't you love that the chairs are orange? (laughs) Do you know that the chairs that you're sitting in used to be orange? You think we should turn them back to orange? If we wait long enough, you think it'll just come back or we can just reupholster them, turn them back around? I think this is incredible because these chairs that you're sitting in are really, really, really old. In fact, they're falling apart. And every week we have to take a couple more to the dumpster because we can't glue them back together because they have so much glue on them. And this is how my mind works, okay? This is just how I process things. So bear with me. I think to myself here are these chairs in this picture. Here are the chairs that we're sitting in that we've all been sitting in since we've been here. I've been here 18 years. I've been sitting in these chairs. Who bought these chairs? Who bought these chairs? And I said, w- wait a second. So the first worship center was 1984, and it was when the fellowship hall was built. And I went back and I looked and I said, I wonder how many members we still have at Shepherd's Gate from 1984. How many think are still here at Shepherd's Gate? Any guesses? Five? Fifteen. 15. Now, the reason the second date is up here is because in 1992 is when the congregation at that time decided that they would build this worship center and make that the fellowship hall. So they only worshiped over there for nine years. I mean, nine years, and they moved into here, and so, of course, they had to buy some more chairs. So, obviously, there was another wave of chair buying that took place. How many people do you think are still here from when it first moved into this place? Any guesses? Is that because you heard my son who's running the camera who was at the 9 a.m. service? 52! Thank you, Brady. And I don't know why. I was like, that's so intriguing to me. I don't, it's just go there with me for a moment. Because two weeks ago, I got a call that one of my childhood friends had passed away at the age of 38. he was only married for four and a half years, didn't have any kids. He was diagnosed with colon cancer four years ago. They completely removed his colon. He had a colostomy bag. And then, of course, it came back with a vengeance and ultimately took his life. And they called to tell me that he had passed away. And then they called the next day and said, is there any chance that you think Shepherds Gate would be willing to host his funeral? And Tim, would you be willing to do the funeral? I was like, man, I don't know if I can do that for a childhood friend. I mean, I grew up playing in this guy's backyard. We grew up in Sunday school together. We went on youth retreats together. And then you want all the people from my childhood to come in here. People that like worked in the nursery for me my Sunday school teachers, all of those kinds of people. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. But I love this family so much, I was like, there's no way that I couldn't do that. And I was grateful because our staff was willing to come in on a Saturday morning as this place was completely full, as you can imagine, with a 38-year-old. Every single chair in here was taken. And I thought, what an amazing church we have. All of these guests that are here because of the faithfulness of the people of Shepherds Gate." Because of their generosity. And then, even yesterday, as we were gathered in this room again to have the memorial service for one of our founding members, Bob Schindahetti. And some of you I know you hear Albrecht Amen over here, he's, he's our German Amener. <laughs> but before there was an Albrecht, there was a Bob Schindahetti, and Bob Schindahetti used to sit back in here. And he was the one that would amen over and over and over again. And I couldn't help but think to myself, here you have Bob who sacrificed so much of his time and his prayers to put into this church. 89 years old. He would have been 90 years old on Palm Sunday this year. Isn't that incredible? The legacy of faith that he passed on and that because of his sacrifice, we can continue doing ministry and this place can continue being a lighthouse in our community. Isn't that awesome? So I don't know, this was me. I just kept thinking to myself, do I want to simply consume a seed or do I want to contribute to someone else that doesn't even know Jesus yet? That a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, who knows, that would come into this place hurting, lost, and broken and hear the message of Jesus. That's so what David said. I know, my God, that you test the heart. That's what he does. He's always doing heart surgery and have pleasure in uprightness. In the uprightness of my heart, here I am, King David, I freely offered all these things and now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joylessly out of the abundance of their heart. To you, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, our fathers, our fathers, Keep forever such purposes and thoughts the hearts of your people and direct their hearts toward you. And that's our prayer. As we continue moving forward, as we continue praying about what future God has for us as a church. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. And as I said, I said I think it's really important that me being in the position that I'm in, that I'm completely open and honest and transparent with you and that's what I did last week. And this week, I asked my wife, I said, Lisa, would you be willing to come? And would you be willing to share your story? And I know this isn't going to be easy. I know you got to get in front of the congregation, which you don't do like I do every week. But would you be willing to share the way in which God worked in your life? And she said, yes. And so she's going to come at this time and share. So you please welcome my beautiful wife. Lisa, thank you for your willingness to do this and to share your faith story and how God has worked in your life. So why don't you start at the beginning?
1: Okay, well, let's hope I don't have any tears because when we were discussing this, I just kind of broke down remembering um, how far I've come in 20 years. So doesn't my house look like Tim's when he was growing up, if you were here last week? it's Just brick. We did have two bathrooms, and I grew up with... um, being the middle of two girls, so we did not pee in the backyard. There was none of that.
0: (laughs) For those of you that weren't here last week, I showed a picture of my house. You only have one
1: bathroom. Yes. (laughs) Um, So this is where I grew up um, here in St. Clair Shores at the south end towards 8 Mile. And uh, like I said, I was the middle of two girls. My um, parents were very loving. And my dad was a really hardworking man. we did not go to church though, um, sometimes a little bit here and there in Catholic church once in a while. Um, so I did not really grow up in a strong Christian home, but I always had something in me that knew there was something out there, and I was always curious about God. Uh, so, but it wasn't until my parents um, a, kind of abruptly moved to Ohio for my dad's job when I was 19. So it was towards the end of my first year in college, and they decided to move for their job so I could either go with them to Ohio or stay in Michigan and I decided to stay in Michigan with my older sister. And uh, thanks be to God, she started going to church and she had invited me. And so we went to this church in Royal Oak called Genesis. I think it's actually still around. And uh, it was college ministry. And I went there and Honestly, my life was changed that day. I felt like I was the only one in the room listening to the sermon. The Lord just spoke to me so clearly, and uh, it was the first time I had heard the gospel. And it, my heart started to break for what broke his, and I um, just started this journey and transformation to getting to know him. And so, um, we went to Genesis for a little while, and my sister got engaged. My parents um, actually sold their house, and I had to find somewhere to live. <laughs> and so I was working two jobs and going to school, and I uh, had a waitressing job. I worked at a Coney Island in East Point, and that job saved my life. I really was able to support myself. Um, through that job and so I had an acquaintance, uh, an acquaintance who was uh, also looking for somewhere to live so we found a duplex in St. Clair Shores towards Martin. This is it right here and so we moved into this little duplex and uh, it was $900 a month and I paid 450 of that. I didn't know how I was going to do it but um, I just trusted that the Lord would see me through it and uh, so that kind of started a whole new chapter of my life, and uh, a girl that I had worked with had, had invited me to a church called Paradox, and it was just starting. So we start going to Paradox, and um, I just really believed in the mission and the vision of this church and what they were doing in our community, and so I started giving. And I didn't even honestly know what I was doing because I didn't know what tithing was. I barely had ever opened my Bible, um I just saw other people doing it, you know, when you used to pass the plate around. That doesn't really happen anymore these days. Remember those
0: days? <laughs> we often.
1: And so I just started giving sacrificially to the Lord. And i it was a $50 check that I would write every week that I went. And, uh, You're how old
0: at this point? 21. 21, okay.
1: So I'm 21, and I'm giving to this church. And the Lord just started opening up all these Blessings for me. It didn't even make sense the things that I had um, came through, and the way that he provided financially for me in so many incredible ways. Um, One time in particular, my roommate actually abruptly decided that she was moving out, and so um, now I'm living in this place by myself. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to be able to pay $900 a month to live in this condo. I knew I was going to have to find somewhere else to live so I go to church on Sunday morning and I'm on my way home from church and I'm talking to the Lord and I'm just asking him like you have to tell me what to do next because I have no idea how I'm gonna afford to live in this place I don't know where I'm gonna go I barely had any friends because I had like just gotten rid of all the toxic friendships that I had had in the past and I was really asking the Lord to bring along Christian friends and um So I'm asking the Lord to just reveal to me what it was that I was going to do next. So I I get home, I'm taking a nap, (laughs) and my phone rings, and I wake up from my nap. It's the landlord, and he's like, Lisa, I heard that your roommate was going to move out. Do you know where you're going to, do you know if you'll have somebody else live with you? And I just said, no, there's no way. I don't know anyone that, that I can live with um i'll have to find somewhere else just i need some time and he was like you know what you've been so faithful in um being a tenant and just you know providing that uh, rent on time and so i really would hate to see you go do you think you can afford to um do 600 a month and i just said well i have no idea but i'll try (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea if i'm going to be able to afford that but Um, I would be so grateful. So he said, sure, let's try it, and you can stay in the condo um, by yourself. And so, again, it didn't make any sense that I could even afford to do that and pay for school and do everything that I was doing, but the Lord provided a way for me to to stay there. And uh, it was a whole year had went by that I had paid that rent, $600 on my own, and uh, um, a year later, I was... At a surprise party and I met Tim which felt very random at the time but obviously God had a plan and um, again just a huge blessing in my life that I wasn't expecting don't deserve to be here Um, but the Lord just you know he provided and um, now looking back I can see how I I was giving sacrificially I didn't even understand but I was doing it, and God just, he took care of me, and here I am now, so.
0: And you were 23 at the time.
1: When we met, yes.
0: I was 29. Yep. Thinking I was never going to get married.
1: Yeah. Thinking
0: I wasn't going to be the student director anymore because I'm the single guy and can't find a wife, and what are they going to do? <laughs> and our paths crossed at this such a interest in one yeah. moment in time. Yeah and nine months later, we were engaged, and 11 months later, you said yes to marry me. <laughs> yeah. It was almost four, or 14 years ago, and you can see, some, the nine o'clock loved all my hair on my Yeah, t- he just so had dark hair I'm, like me. Yes, I'm aging well, Lisa. <laughs> But this was the interesting part. For those of you that are engaged or you're, you know, you're married and you're still trying to figure this out, we didn't have it all figured out even when we became husband and wife and combining our finances, combining our debt, combining the vehicles, all of that kind of stuff. And one of the things that actually helped us was before we got married, uh, before we even offered this at Shepherd's Gate, someone invited us to go through a program by a guy named Dave Ramsey. How many of you are familiar with this? And so it was interesting because here we are, when you're engaged, you're just writing checks. You're writing all these deposit checks for this wedding that you want to have, and you want to have the best wedding possible, and yada, yada, yada. And so here we are going through this video series, and you remember Dave said, he goes, I don't understand couples that go into debt for their weddings. Like, why would you do that? You're just starting off on the wrong foot. And we looked at each other, and we went, man, why are we doing that? Who are we trying to impress? And so we went back, and we began to make changes to our wedding. In fact, one of the ones I love saying the most, we took beef off the menu and we offered ch- chicken and fish because that saved a ton of money. We're like, the that. people that are coming, either they love us or they don't because they're going to get stuck with chicken or fish. We can't afford beef. And then we said, we looked at what we were going to pay for this cake. And I was like, it's so interesting because the cake just sits in the middle of the room. And some people go up and look at it and take pictures. Most people just go to the bar. And as soon as you come in, you cut it and then it disappears. And so we heard about this idea. They're like, here's what you can do. Cancel your cake order. Find a baker that'll just make you a really small cake. And so we found a baker that made us a cake for $150. The rest of the cake was all fake.
1: Yeah, it was tiered. It was tiered. Only the top was real.
0: And so we went in, we cut the top. They took it away. And you know how important cake is at a wedding, right? Everyone taught, and if you don't have good cake, people will talk bad about you for the rest of your life. (laughs) I mean, we all know something with the cake. So they go back and uh, people eat and time comes out for dessert and people are eating cake. And I can't tell you, this is the humor of God. How many people came up to us and said, this is the best cake we have ever had. And we looked at each other and do you know what was in the back room? It was sheet cakes from Costco. (laughs) So either a lot of, some of you are at our wedding, so either it was the alcohol or Costco just makes a really good cake. But here's the thing, and I'll tell you this too, if if you're on this journey, this is an incredible guide to use as a tool. Now we like Dave Ramsey, we don't love Dave Ramsey, we don't do all of his principles, we kind of have a hybrid. We have found other couples in this church that have been uh, financial mentors to us. And it's awesome that you guys are here because two of them are right here that have helped us and navigated and opened up their lives and said, this is how we've managed our finances. And they, you know, they have two boys and they were in a season that was uh, a few years ahead of us. And so that's what we're encouraging all of you to figure out like, where is it that God is speaking to you? And maybe this is a season when you, then you need to go through a program or you need to get other people around you to help you and speak into you. But what we have found in the nearly 14 years that we have been married is that God is so faithful, and you can't outgive give God. He is so good in his generosity in the way that he provides for our needs. Amen. Amen? And so when we look at our church, this is the aerial of Shepherd's Gate, and we look back at all of the insane blessings that we have received, both our boys who have been baptized here the amount of ministry that's been poured into us over the years. And we're on our knees and praying and asking God, okay, God, what is it you want us to do to contribute to the future of this place that has been such an incredible blessing to us? And that's what we want for all of you. That's what we're inviting you into, the conversation. Let's keep praying and talking and figuring this out together. Sound good? Because this is how the passage ends. First Chronicles 29, 28 says, then David died at a good age. What, which What's a good age to die? <laughs> Does anybody know what a good age He was 70, by the way. Full of days, riches, and honor, and Solomon the son. Here he goes. He gets to take the mantle. He gets to move in the future. And isn't it cool that his dad set everything up, that God's name would be, continue to be proclaimed to the children of Israel. And that's what we want for Shepherd's Gate, and that's what we see for her future. So we want to invite you to join us in exploring and figuring out what that is. Sound good? Will you give Lisa a hand for sharing this morning? And will you stand with us as we close our time together in prayer? Heavenly Father, we are, we're so humbled and grateful for your amazing grace and mercy in our lives. The way that that your grace carries us. And you provide for us. God, and I know there's here, there are those here that have hearts for you, that, that want to walk in your way and do your will. And so we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to lead and guide them. God, we thank you for those that have gone before us, that have been faithful to you, that have been generous, that we could enjoy the, the ministries in and and this building and all the blessings that it's been to so many of us over so many years. God, I thank you for our guests this morning that are here in person or watching online. Thank you for allowing them to to let us uh, share this type of message this morning and just pray a special blessing upon them as well. But God, we end with this. We pray, God, for your direction for our future. May whatever the plans be, be according to your will because this is your church and you've been watching over her for 42 years and we know, God, that you have more in store for the future. So God, we pray pierce our hearts and lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit into your future. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things in your son's most holy and precious name and all God's people said, amen.